Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. This week I interview Robin Erickson from Kogo App, which is the largest shared micromobility operator aggregator in Europe. Horace and I have long had a theory about the world of micromobility and how it will mature to be more like public transport or the airline industry over time. So it is no surprise to me to see the rise of Kogo, which allows for the discovery of scooters and e-bikes, cars and others in the shared operating systems to be handled in a single app for all the micromobility providers in the city. I was excited to hear that they've recently added payments, and so I wanted to have them on to run through their growth and where they think the marketplace for mobility is going. I really enjoyed this conversation with Robin. He's super smart and has clearly navigated through the challenges to build a product that I am really excited to use when I next get to Europe. Also, if you haven't already, please check out the Rider Choice Awards, the Oscars of the micromobility world. Voting is now open ahead of the micromobility world conference that we're having on the 19th of January online. We've just shifted to the final rounds for many of the categories, and we're excited to see which brands are considered the most popular, whether it's your favorite bike, scooter, e-bike, shared service, or more. With tens of thousands of votes already in, be sure to not miss out. Check it out at micromobility.io. Let's go. And welcome back to Micromobility. We have with us today, Robin Erickson from Coco. How are you going today, Robin? Yeah, I'm awesome. Thanks. It's uh, it's really fun to be here. So uh, thanks for inviting me. And uh, I, I, I hear a few uh, mention it, but um, when I when I first started out a couple of years ago, I think it was in eighteen or nineteen. You you were actually one of the first sources that I found because you were there wasn't that many. But uh, it's it's really fun to be following your journey. And now you know. Oh, thank you. It was a personal goal of yeah. me to end up on your podcast at some point. So here here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, you know, yeah, you've done the work, man. So you, you totally, you totally deserve to be here. But um, I look. I, the reason I'm excited about having you on today is, is like, it's a topic that I think we haven't talked about for a while. Uh, in the, it, you know, like I think what we've kind of ended up doing in the in micromobility is that a lot of folks have moved on from shared or necessarily thinking that shared is like that it's the only story about micro because I think that's how maybe how we started off it was the most exciting and the biggest area and obviously we're now kind of looking at other areas and subscriptions and Hmm. stuff but there's been a lot of development and maturation in the space around shared and I think you and what you guys are building at Kogo is really on the cutting edge of that and I'm very excited to be able to bring you on to talk about it so can you just run us through the sort of top line of what Kogo is and what you've done and what you've built? Yeah, so Kogo um, gathers all shared rides in one app. So we're, we're essentially a, a mobility aggregator where we gather shared electric scooters, bikes, e-bikes, of course, cars and mopeds into one app from, from all of the various mobility operators. So essentially, if you if you share it and you drive yourself, then, then we include it. So we don't have ride hail or public transport today. Yes, and um, yeah, we just go, <laughs> we just want to make it super simple to to find these modes, find the best alternatives, and just um, unlock them and 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 go essentially to to really remove the the, the hassle in many cities. Yeah, um, that we see totally. 
Because, I mean, the thing that I, I think Horace and I have talked about, certainly on in the early days when we were talking about this, is that we eventually see that these like apps, like what you have, uh, will emerge where, where you have everything all mm. in one place, right? That you can sort of see the micromobility. You, you'd want to open, you go to a new city, you want to be able to just open the app and see all the shared scooters that are maybe available in the, in the, in the shared micromobility yeah. space. But the thing that really got me was that you are now uh, obviously, you know, I know that there are competitors who are also looking in the space and I know that Google Maps has started like surfacing information about this. But your backgrounds, I think, are really, are really well suited for this. And then, and then sort of the, what, your, what got my attention was the next stage of saying, look, we're working out how to integrate payments mm. and we're actually yeah. going to be launching with payments. Um, because I think the one bit that I've seen in the space is like Google Maps, for example, has uh, shared services, but it still kicks you out yeah. to your app. And like one of the biggest issues has been always like, I just don't want to own, <laughs> I don't want to have to download 50 different apps. I just want to have like one app. And so I will go to a new city and I will use the service. I will use, um, I'll, I'll use like Uber or whatever, because it's got Lime in the mm. app because I don't want to have to download another app when yeah. I'm traveling. But if I could just have one app and it had one payment and I could open it in any city and just access it, I just think that really streamlines the experience. So can you talk me through a little bit about, you know, how many cities you're in, where like where you've been operating and how you've been handling the payment side of things? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could go back a bit to, you mentioned our backgrounds and so on, which I think is, is important. Yeah, yeah, actually, okay, let's start yeah. there. Let's start there as to why why this is important. Because, yeah, sorry, I alluded to it and then I didn't tell anybody why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was like 10 questions that we need to unfold. But yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm Swedish originally. I live in, I've been living in Copenhagen now for, for eight years or so. And um, I had a few small startups in, in Sweden or projects before. And then, so back in 2012-13, um, it started to become very popular to aggregate air travel, like all the flight mm. tickets and hotels and so on. So there was a scale-up in, in Denmark called um, Momondo that I joined, and there was like 20, 30 people back then, I think. So, and we eventually, you know, we, we grew like crazy. So we were one of the European leaders and then we were acquired by um, Kayak in 2017. So I, we, I was mm -hmm. part of that whole journey during the part of the marketing team as all the growth across several European countries. And um, so that was super exciting, like how to, how to grow an aggregation business. It's, it's for us, that was very low margin, even though flight tickets are very semi expensive. The, the margins that we had was actually mm. pretty slim because we're an aggregator. So growing that business in the Nordics, the German speaking countries, uh, France, UK, and so on was a good learning. Yeah. What is just because I'm very curious. What is the mind? What are the margins on an aggregator uh, <laughs> on a ticket? Say, say for example, it's a two hundred or a five hundred dollar ticket or something like that. Yeah, it, it varies so much, uh, so it, it's really hard to say to be honest. But uh, I think we could make a couple of uh, what's that in the yeah. So I don't know, ten, ten, twenty euros maybe uh, something like that. It depends. Yeah. It varies so much on yeah. the on the airline or the travel OTA, the travel agency, or what kind of agreements you have and, and so on. But um, that's a good bridge to Bibi, my co-founder, because she was in the in the commercial team, in the sales team for Momondo. So we, we worked there together for, for many, many mm -hmm. years. And then she was responsible for, for optimizing um, the contracts and our revenues. And she's sometimes joking that she made sure we made money and I spent it because I was in marketing and she was in sales. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then our third uh, co-founder, Martin, he was part of founding Momondo as well. So he built uh, the, the code for, for the search engine of Momondo, essentially. 
Um, so we have we come from three different backgrounds, even though we're from the same company, we're, we're very different, both in terms of how we are as people, but also our, our skills and backgrounds. So, but then after Kayak acquired us, I was there for a little while, but I, re- I, I don't enjoy being in part of big corporations. We were over 2,000 people by, by then. So then I joined another mobility startup mm. in Sweden, uh, developing an electric car. That was very hard. <laughs> Hardware is tough. <laughs> car is in, insanely, yes. insanely uh, tough. I actually worked with Albin, yeah. who you had on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. Albin Wilson from Rome. So we, I know oh. him from, uh, from before. So we, we used to work together. Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. Ah, fascinating. Cool. But then I got into the whole mobility space and started seeing the, the scooters popping up left and right in the US. Then eventually it came to, to Europe as well. And just realized I had so many different apps like you were talking about, right? So I was living in Copenhagen yeah. and I was working in Sweden and then I was traveling a bit around Europe and so on. So I had, I had a lot of apps. So with my background from Amondo then, I was, uh, I was just thinking like, okay, there should be a... Someone should have done this for, for shared mobility. And there was a few platforms, but nothing that really maybe fit my, my use case or how I was living and so on. So, so with my background from Amondo and also being an entrepreneur and being in the mobility space already, I figured that maybe, maybe this is a place where I can actually make, make a difference. So instead of starting another scooter company, I, I decided to start an, an aggregator back in I think it was 2019 or something. So it was super early and it was, I think the first scooter companies were only one or two years old. And I mean, they didn't think about third party APIs and so on. So how would we tap into that? So we spent a lot of time kind of researching and uh, figuring out how we could, how we could tackle this. Luckily, Bibi joined me very early on because she heard about it through a mutual friend. So we were, we started it uh, initially and then shortly thereafter, Martin uh, joined the team as well. So it is it looks so simple the platform uh, that's the point but it's so advanced behind the scenes so you i don't think anyone if you don't know aggregation i don't think anyone knows how how tricky it can be but uh, that's our job to make something hard very simple so um, that's how we got started yeah so no that's so fa- it's, it's so interesting as well because i also think it in some ways right it's it's it maps to the front, like the, the maturation of the industry, right? That, that, that like we would get to this point now where like the operators recognize that they can't all, you know, there's going to be a land grab aspect to it. And I certainly think in, in Shared, we went for a real land grab aspect uh, for a lot of those larger companies. But that there's, they're never going to serve, you're never going to have, well, I remember there was a conversation that I had with Horace and Horace was like, Name me another company that has assets on the corner of every single house. Yeah, exactly. Or like every single street in every yeah. city yeah. around the world. There just isn't any. Like yeah. you and you will never get to that level. So I'm curious for you, like as the industry has matured, we've kind of got to this point now where some of these companies are starting to open up and are open to the like APIs. I know that they weren't originally, right? Like I, I know that it was a really hard battle. Can you talk me through that part? Like are all companies now online? Because how many how many different operators do you have? How many different cities are you operating in, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so now we have a bit over two hundred and fifty different mobility operators in seven hundred cities worldwide. So in in Europe, I would say we're in the markets we're focusing on. We're almost hundred percent coverage in uh, in a lot of the cities, 
Then there are some local bike share operators, you know, run by the cities and so on. They are a bit harder to, to kind of find, but uh, they reach out. And so we, we're adding mm. uh, constantly. So, and I, I don't think even we have half, to be honest, in, in Europe. I've seen something like five, six hundred different mobility. Maybe, you know, <laughs> I don't think we have, but we have the, the majority and we have most in, in the cities where we are active. And do you have like all of the big players? Are there any that are holdouts still? We have no. We have. I think we have all of the big ones. Uh, to be honest, then we we're talking about different levels of integrations. Or you know, you mentioned payments. So so that's kind of the final step. Uh, but if we talk, I think most people categorize it as level two, or we call it light integrations. So that's where we show the location, the battery life. Um, we also get it all like I think it's the world's largest pricing database as well so we have prices for for almost all of these operators and then we launched a search tool so you can just put in where you are where you want to go and then you can compare all all operators all vehicle types in just one seamless uh, or simple search essentially so so we help you as a user to make more informed decisions because that's also what we felt it's a bit this this bike has a fixed price for the first 20 minutes, then this uh, scooter operator has an unlocking fee, then a minute fee, and then the car you can rent for an hour. Like what is actually the cheapest or the fastest or the best way to go there? So we, we just want, because my philosophy is if we can help the users make more informed decisions and better decisions, they feel like they're doing a good choice, then they will do it again. Uh, rather than if they feel like maybe tricked or they don't feel like, mm okay, this was actually really expensive, so they will never use it again. But if, if we can help them figure that out before, then I think they will be more satisfied and, and, and come back. So that, that's really what we want to do, just not just following the growth of the industry, but actually help the industry grow even faster. So while we're yeah. a consumer-facing app, we also look want to help the operators a lot and also the cities a lot with... Uh, with the parking, fleet op- optimization, stuff like that. Totally. And is the, so, I mean, how, I, I, I'm just thinking, like, how would that work with, for example, um, some operators might, for example, have a, like a, some of them have like loyalty programs, right? And I'm thinking of Beam in New Zealand, which has a universal pass, which means you don't have to pay for an unlock fee and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, that's harder to start integrating and thinking about and doing comparisons between all these different operators and stuff. Do you try and do that or do you just sort of go with like, no, we're just going, because there's obviously, obviously intent if that's already in place, but is there, are you just going for the like, we just generally want to provide all the different options and people can make their choice accordingly? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really good question. And I've been, I've been battling that myself and yeah, with my, my team as well, how to, how to handle it. But what I felt was that, you know, paradox, paradox of choice, right? So actually when you have too many options, you get less satisfied. Yes. And what I saw among some of these other aggregators that you, you briefly mentioned before is that they integrate or they sell some of these packages on behalf of the operators. But it, it become, in my world, that becomes very complex. So I might buy a pack for a, a scooter, but then I need a car or, or something else. And then I all of a sudden don't have a, a package or a subscription for that. So what we're looking at is to, to understand the... Um, the financials of everything like we're just launching payments now so we don't have enough data today so we don't we don't have that live but once we know that more 
And then we make sure that, okay, the operator is expecting to get paid at least this. So then we make sure that the operator gets this, whatever they want. And then we'll figure out how do we price that on our end. So then that could be that we add a markup if we need to, or we don't, or we implement our own kind of subscriptions or weekly passes or monthly passes. But then it's a Kogo pass and not a operator specific pass and then we just make sure that uh, that we paid operator what they should have yeah yeah and then we that our margins are, are good enough on on our end because then it's a kogo pass you're buying and not someone else's totally do you think as well that there's going to be regulatory like is there any are there any cities that have gone for a regulatory approach of saying for example that they should all operators, for example, in Brussels or all operators in Copenhagen should have payment, open payment systems that allow for you as a third party operator. Because I know that that was one of the things that happened with the airlines, right? Is that like that there was a there was a regulatory thing that happened, which allowed for those aggregators to emerge. Do you, Is that happening in any cities at the moment? Not yet. Um, I've seen that in many cities, including in the US and so on, they, they need to make the vehicles available. So level two, like the light integrations. Yes. So that any platform can find a location. But I haven't seen it when it comes to payments yet. And I think that's the the tricky one. And maybe what, of course, the operators, they, everybody wants the use on their own platform. I totally understand that. But that's not necessarily the best interest for, for the users or the consumer. So I'm, I'm sure... I, I hope it will come, of course, because, I mean, <laughs> that's what we do. But uh, for now, so that, that's also why I think it's not so common yet. No. And now when we, we started working on this early this year, and it's, um, yeah. Totally. It's, I, it's more complex than you think, but uh, it's live now, so that's, that feels very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the payments one is one that's just super, super fascinating, because I yeah. think as well, like, your point around you know, like it's better for the consumer. I think that's why it will work is because cities, I think, are going to recognize that there's value. One city will do it, like a large city will do it. And then when that's proven, I, I think other cities will realize actually like this is the way to make yeah. these yeah. systems work. And then in some ways it's like, you know, yeah. it, and, and it's realistic. It's like, you know, you don't hop on a bus uh, you don't hop on a bus line or a train line and have to buy a ticket for that particular bus line or train line. Like that, tr that is just part of the overall transport system. Yeah. And these things will be regulated, I think, in the same way over time, right? That's where I see shared micromobility going. It's just a question of how much time it'll take and, and you know, what, what that'll look like. And it's if it's consistent across every city, you know, like every, every city has different implementations. That would be the not fun part for you guys, but maybe that's where the value is. Yeah, I think as, as long as it benefits the, the end user, because if it is, if it's too complex or it's not as convenient to have your car parked in the garage or if it's more expensive, then people won't adopt that new mode of transport. So you can see that, I mean, rideship is, is growing like crazy, but there's also uh, most people are not using shared mobility most people are using a car still so how do we get the majority to actually start using it so it needs to be frictionless and and at a price that people can afford and uh, i think we'll we'll get there at some point i think we also forget that the industry is if we consider when the scooters took off in 2017 in the us if that's kind of the the kickstarter it, it started in the 60s in amsterdam already but then it's only like five years young actually so i think i think people forget that and uh, 
We just need to give it some time. <laughs> I know, Robin, but I want it now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm sure everybody wants it, but uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And so the, the you know, this is this is fascinating by the way, because it's it's also uh the part that I I've like really admired about your business is that you've got you know, you're talking 250,000 users last year and you've got like, you're one of the, you are the largest, as far as I can tell, aggregator app in this space, but you have raised comparably so little money versus all the other, yeah. you know, it's a, well, com yeah. I mean, I say comparably, it, it's, it's like, it, this is the idea of a marketplace, right? Like this is, this is why these businesses I think are super interesting. Can you, can you talk me through the, like where you've got to on users and then also just the, the you know, where you've got to on funding as well? Uh, definitely. Yeah, we had, so we had hundred 80,000 last year and, and around half a million uses this year. It might be a bit more. Um, and then 6,000 uh, in 2020. So we've we grown pretty fast. Yeah, um, wow. Majority, obviously, we're based in, in Copenhagen. But Copenhagen is unfortunately a pretty... It's not the best city when it comes to shared mobility, unfortunately. It's, it's one of the bike capitals in the world, but definitely not the shared mobility capitals of the world. So we have uh, almost no efforts here we use it as our kind of technical uh, sandbox in a way but sweden is, is big for us uh, italy and spain germany as well and actually some traffic in the us as well which is really fun to see and, and a bunch of countries around the world we've had uses in over 100 countries this year so that's been super exciting to see um even though what i feel is our product has so much more to give like we're rolling out the payment solution now which is something that everybody has been asking for, for from day one. Um, and I mean, you're asking for it now, right? And so it's super excited to see that product live. So I'm excited to see what, what this will take, how far this will take our company, right? Because I think this is, this is one of the biggest infliction points for, for our business. Um, but yeah, so uh, we basically, how to, how to recap this. Um, now where we started in, in 2020, there was a pandemic um, and as we know, that's not great for, for shared mobility when everybody's confined to their homes. And yes, I think Lime closed down. It was only open in South Korea or something crazy like that. It was, it was crazy. But uh, it gave us a bit of time to kind of fine-tune the, the product. And we, we got our MVP out in, in July in 2020. And uh, luckily, we, we got some early private investors on board that we knew from part our time at Momondo. So obviously they knew us very well. They knew we understand uh, the fundamentals of, of, of the aggregation business. And they also knew us as people. So even though we had, I think we had three, two or 3,000 users that have been on the app when we closed our first investment round in mm -hmm. January of 2021. So then we got a few private investors in and one of the early stage um, VCs here in, in Denmark called called Precede Ventures as well. So they also took a very early bet on us. Much thanks to our background and that the, the, the private investors had, had already committed. And um, at the time, we were also lucky because uh, it was COVID. Oh, it's not lucky, but during COVID, the, the governments around the world wanted to support businesses, uh, both established businesses, but in Denmark specifically, they also wanted to help the startup community. Um, so they had a... The, the government had issued a special loan that uh, startups could apply for. And Pre-Seed Ventures was actually pre-approved. Kind of pre so if you got an investment for Pre-Seed, 
then you could actually top up your your investment with I think it was three X at the time. Oh wow! Awesome. So even though we got an investment of of one kroner or one euro, then we would get you know three euros instead. Uh, so so that was a big uh, that was that had a big impact on 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 our business actually. So we could hire the first team, we could be employed, we could we could finally get a salary and so on. We could um, start doing some marketing. So that's when it really started taking off. So then we launched our, our second product or the second version of the app. Started doing some marketing, testing it out. We did some partnerships with some hotels uh, here in the Nordics as well. And we started to get a bit of press around us and, and so on. So that's kind of how it started the first, uh, the first year, uh, yeah. I would say. Awesome. And now you, because you've, you've raised like two, less, what, two million in, in total? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to me, like the compared to, for example, a lot of the other numbers that you might see that you kind of bandied about in the micro mobility space. I think it's just, you know, comparably yeah, it's crazy. A, a very small amount, but it's but it's but again, different model, right? Like it's it's a it's more software margins or sort of you know, marketplace margins than uh, something else. Yeah, exactly. No, it's pretty crazy. I think I read McKinsey in the summer estimated was it nine billion or something that had been invested in in micro mobility so far, and then. We come in at, at two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we, <laughs> there's no hardware involved. There, there's no underground staff and so on. So comparing it to the operators themselves that actually operates the fleets, it's of course super different. So we, um, we have um, software development, marketing and, um, you know, partnerships and so on. So it is comparably a, a very lean uh, business today um but I, I see that will will probably change um in the future there will be a lot on go to market and marketing uh, activities and, and and stuff like that and i was going to ask about that marketing on the like on the marketing side where are your customers like when when you're finding them who are the people who are typically uh like downloading the app like if you were to look at the the users what are, what's the sort of predominant areas of or the predominant mm. use cases for them yeah, I mean, if you if we look at during the pandemic, of course, there was most people only used us in in one city, so so essentially their their hometown. I think it was ninety ninety five percent only used us in in one city, and the usage were were pretty low as well because people were not going out for coffees or lunches or going to work and so on. But we're seeing it changing now a bit, so we can see people start traveling more and more. I think tourists. I mean, that, that is a big focus point, of course, for, for the industry, because you, you come to a city, you want to move around a lot over a weekend or a weekend, so on. So, so we can see a lot of users using it for that as well, where people like, hey, I, I live in Barcelona, I'm, I'm going to Berlin over the weekend, can I use you there? And we're like, yeah, yeah, of course, you can use us there and in 699 other cities around the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that is the whole point, right? Because if you're from Spain and then you come to 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 Germany, for instance, like you, you don't know the operators there, you might not uh, have the credit cards required, or maybe you don't you need a German phone number or something. So in some cases, that's the case. So that makes it very hard to use. So that that's really the friction that we wanna that we wanna reduce. So you just you sign up for Kogo, you used it in Barcelona, you have your payment uh, or your subscription that you prefer and so on and you can use that in in germany as well and so that's that's the whole friction list that we want to also achieve across across the borders and so on um but it requires a lot of integrations and that, that takes time so uh, i mean yeah it totally <laughs> it's talking a year and see see where we are but i mean that's really the, the problem that we want to solve and 
when I'm, we're talking to some operators that are, okay, but I have, it's me and one other guy and I have 95% of the market. I mean, I don't need you. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. You don't need me at all. Like why? And also the users, they could probably do with two apps. That's, that's not too much. But when we come up to three. Oh, you mean in, in markets that are like, like a city with only two, two operators. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah, exactly. Yeah, then then you don't technically need an operator uh, or an aggregator because two apps, that's okay. But when we come up to over three and four, that's when we start to see a real problem. And those are the cities we're focusing on. But what they say is, but but okay, but if you have a lot of tourists coming to us, that would be interesting. Like then they would actually would like to work with us. So there's also that value that we can that we can bring in to the operators, even though they have the, you know, the whole market almost. So totally, totally. With the, the operators that do exist, like where are the economics in it for them? Like at the moment, do they pay you for being able to send them users or do you pay them? Or like how, does, how, how do the economics work on the existing model of just the stuff that you're like, do you generate any revenue from helping discover them? So with the light integration or, or level two, then it's free for them to be on our platform. And we also don't pay anyone to, to show them because, I mean, we're, we're bringing a lot of value by, by sending them traffic, of course. Mm. But then we have on the on the full integrations or yeah level three, then uh, we either charge a commission of a few percent uh, that that we take from from the operator, uh, and or we we also uh, monetize on the user side as as well. So they they pay a bit of a a premium, you could say, for for the convenience and uh, and so on. So we have a few different models in place, and that could be a, a fixed price. So to some, it's just, okay, if you use us, then we pay a fixed amount, but usually it's, it's percent and, um, that's more risk, risk-free, uh, for the operator as well, in terms of they only pay if, if there's a ride. So they only pay if, if they make money and then we take mm-hmm. a small cut. Mm-hmm. So an aggregator for, for any like the operators here or the airline for in my mother's case, they. Yeah, so they only pay uh, when there's a trip happening, and um, we're essentially uh, an acquisition platform for them, right? So yeah, you can, right. You, you can advertise on, on Facebook or on uh, through uh, Google AdWords, and then you have a certain CAC and conversion rate and all of that, and then you, you have an ROI, and then for us, it, it's essentially the same, but with the difference that you only use Kogo for one reason. Like if you're on Instagram scrolling, you're probably not out looking for a, a bike or a scooter or a car. But if you go into Kogo, you're actually going somewhere. Yes. So so the, the quality of the traffic that we either send to you or that we, you know, we start a ride on your behalf is is, is, very, is very high. So. And it, are you seeing much appetite for this? So you've only done the payment integration, like it's very new. So, so you know, yeah. and can you tell me where it's launched and, and how that's going? And then, and then if there's been appetite for, for next steps around that? Yeah, so I think it was last week we launched it in Copenhagen. So uh, we're, we're only live in Copenhagen for now. Um, and uh, it looks, yeah, it's, it look, it's looking good. It is uh, a bit better than expected, maybe because it is seasonality here is, is crazy. It's like minus five or six uh, degrees today Celsius. Right. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cold to to bike to work and and so on, and uh, so it's dropping like fifty percent compared to the summer months here. So considering that, it, it is good, and uh, now we're gonna expand to a few more Danish cities in Sweden, Germany. 
like our main markets that I mentioned, Spain and Italy as well. Um, we launched in Italy and Spain as a test to just see how would seasonality look there compared to up here, because it looked like it would be much better. It was supposed to only be a, a pretty short test for a few months, but it, it worked so well. So we kind of continue to invest in the market. So um, we have uh, quite a lot of our users there now, and, and they are very happy. They high retention rate. And, and with the payments, like what would it take? Is it materially harder to implement payments in others? I mean, obviously you're based in Copenhagen, so like, but but for you guys, like, if you were to go and try and implement this in Spain and that sort of thing, is there like, a, do you have a time frame on on how long it'll take to get there? Uh, yes, but they tend to be broken, so I don't like to talk about timings <laughs> and deadlines publicly. Okay, touche, touche. I've touché. done that a few times, yeah, so yeah. Uh, and then it tends to bite you in the ass. So at some point, you will launch into. Uh, we have a timeline. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mavlo, I hear you. It's all good. I. I, I'm, I don't want to push you on that. No. No. That makes sense to me. Look, I mean, the other thing that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of very curious about, right? Is so I used to be at Uber, and actually, I was at Uber in the early, like the late late 2017 into 2018 and we bought jump in like mid 2018 and i remember i was in what we call the like strategic projects team in australia and new zealand and i was working on our mobility as a service strategy and like thinking about what that would look like for asia and working on taxi integration and all that sort of stuff and i could see that it was like we should be utilizing and we should be building effectively what you guys have built like that was to me like how uber should have done this it would be an asset light similar to how we've built the rest of our business, just go and get a whole bunch of supply. We could recognize that there's a whole different, like what people go for the app is that they want all of the different options in one place. And then you just get the thing that you want. And Uber never went and built that. And they still haven't. And I'm like perplexed as to why they never did. Because <laughs> like Uber bought Jump and then Lyft. It's obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, but Uber bought, Uber bought Jump and then they had made that weird investment on Lime and then Lyft bought like motivate and so they ended up with like their own operators and talking to the folks who were in those companies it was like the mm -hmm. lyft guys were like yeah we kind of did it because uber did it and uber was like we kind of did it because mm -hmm. we didn't really know what we were doing and we you know it was just like an opportunity <laughs> it was an opportunity to do an acquisition it was like come mm -hmm. on like i'm so so curious like do you see competitive risk from those from those guys ever trying to do that or do you where do you i guess the question that i have around this is like who do you see as the competition around this because it feels to me like <laughs> them on google maps would be the two big ones that i'd be worrying about yeah yeah it's funny like whatever industry i've been in <laughs> it's been so what about google like it's all it's always google and either whatever you do right they have so much money so they, they can do they can do anything but the strength for us what was back at momondo and also here at kogo now is that we're we're totally independent like like we're not owned by any operator we don't operate our our fleets ourselves like so if you look at if if you were to integrate in into into uber then there's lime there then then i'm not saying this is the case but i can see why operators are hesitant to to integrate into to Lime or to Uber because they're not totally unbiased. So if you integrate Lime, tried to do it with, I think it was Wheels and so on, and wanted to launch something like this. But yes. I mean, the operators are by natural causes like like very hesitant to do that. Understandably. So we, we're really pushing to be um, uh, unbiased and independent and so on. So we so we can, can provide that unbiased layer and we can't use the data that we're getting in to benefit our own business because our business is, is their business. So 
of course, you can't say that they're not a threat if, if they're going to do it. I mean, I don't know. Mm. Got to ask them. But what I've seen, what we see in general, what, what Google is doing and Google Maps and so on, is that they rarely take it all the way. Mm. So they're, they're great kind of level, level two integrator. So they, they show in Copenhagen here, they, have, they show donkey, donkey bikes and they show Lime and, and a few others. But then they send them, you send the user to the operator to, to unlock an app and, and pay and so on in their own apps. And that's really where, where we are today as well in most cities. But that's where we take it a next, next step, right, to, to also facilitate the payments. Would Google Maps do that? I mean, I don't think so, but I, have, I don't know. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, then we, of course, we have some competition and so on. Um, when we look at pure shared mobility aggregators, um, there's a few that was live before us as well. We have actually acquired one of them, eScoot. We bought them uh, almost exactly a year ago. That's why we are so strong in France and Israel and, and US and so on already now. Because, um, and it was a good opportunity for us to just uh, get more users uh, very quickly, quicker than, and to the same level that we could have acquired them for Kogo. Mm. But if we compare to other players that are directly competing to us, then, then we are, based on the information I have, the biggest one um, in terms of users and downloads, also have the most integrations. We have around 250. It's hard to tell exactly how many the others have, but what I can see publicly, we are quite a lot ahead of them. Mm. So our product in that regard is, is, is better in, in my point of view. Uh, but then there's the indirect ones like, uh, you know, City Mapper the big or... uh, mobility platforms in Europe, exactly, City Mapper and Wim, and yeah. I'm sure there's others, there's Transit in the US. But their focus is primarily on, on public transport mm. um, in many of the cities. And then they integrate a few shared mobility operators. And I, I think it's a great, it's a great platform. They have nice interface. So, so when we started, actually, we were looking at like, okay, should we go into micromobility, public transport, should we do ride? Hey, like, like what is, where's the need actually? And we looked, I, I, I'm a big fan of both CityMapper and Wim and they're like, they actually have a, they have a really good product and, and they're doing a good job in the cities where they're active. So the users actually don't need a third one doing public transport. So that's why we started initially focusing on, on shared mobility and micromobility because that's where the biggest need was and it hadn't really fulfilled the, the, the gap in the market. So that's where we where we're focusing on. Mm. And that's why we don't have public transport today because yeah, there's many reasons, but one is that there is a good service there. And then it's also another, there's other issues there. Yeah, um, totally. It's very local as well. Yeah. Like if we integrate with an operator that, that are active in 100 cities, then we're live in 100 cities in a heartbeat. But with public transport, it's almost city by city. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's another way of operating. Totally, totally. I, can, I 100% get that. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a very... Yeah, it feels like a, of the things to go and focus on, it makes a lot of sense for you guys to just really double down on micro mm. and shared micro in particular. You also yeah. have done, you know, the, 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 the car partnerships and that sort of thing. I'm curious how that works. Yeah. So is it still, the, is it the same for like the moped operators and the, the car sharing and all that sort of stuff? Same idea. Like at the moment, there's no integration. You can't do, you don't do payments or anything like that. Because it strikes me as like, 
what I would love is that I would turn up into a European city and just go, this is my driver's license. I take my pictures and everything with you. Mm. And then it's just like, you would do yeah. the verification with all the different operators because that was one of the big yeah. challenges I had when I went to Germany was mm. I would land and then I couldn't use the mopeds because my driver's license, they didn't recognize my New Zealand driver's license or, or it was- Exactly. No, it wasn't even that. I couldn't download the app because I wasn't in the German app store. Oh yeah, that's so. Annoying. Yeah, it's super annoying. <laughs> so it was like, actually, they probably would have been okay with the New Zealand driver's license. I just don't, I don't know. But it was one of those. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Right. So it's like it's, uh, all of these frictions yeah. that exist, where it's like, hey, I would totally spend a hundred dollars on mm-hmm. on service in the city if I could get access to it. So, yeah, so I can see all that friction that could get unlocked. Are you also looking at those? And then that strikes me as like a natural yes. extension of those things for you, for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is one of the top priorities um, as well. Now we started with yeah, payments for, for scooters and bikes initially, because here you don't need a driver's license for that. Mm. But we see it's, it is such a big struggle when it comes to mopeds and cars, like you mentioned, with the driver's license. And it's actually also very expensive to, to verify it for, for the operators. Mm. So it is, it is a big pain point for them. I, I see some operators even, so if you would come to... Uh, let's continue taking Germany as an example, then, then you might have to pay to get it verified for some operators, yep. not all are doing it. And then you get that, normally they give you back ride credit, so you, you can then ride for it. But it's still that, that idea of why should I pay to use your, like you don't pay to go into Salando or you don't pay to just look at flight tickets, right? Yep. So it's, I, I feel that is a bit of a weird experience. So we also want to take that away and yeah, so wherever you are, you can you can use us so you have this uh, universal driver's license for for shared mobility but again it, it it would take a bit longer to if we would wait for that so now this is like our mvp version of it so the, f- the first version of the full integrations and i'm super excited so hoping we will launch it soon yeah yeah no that makes a lot of a lot of sense yeah yeah so then um yeah hassle-free and uh, it should be easy for you to fly over oh totally there's so much stuff i wanted to use in europe that i couldn't use and and i i would love to have an opportunity to be able to do it i mean i think ultimately right like this is this is where we when when i originally was at uber working on the stuff like mobility as a service it's like that that's the dream right that you can have you can have an app that just unlocks anything and that you could walk up and you mm-hmm. get any car you need at the time you need it. And you can, you, all of these things yeah. become a lot more accessible. And I, I, I still really hold out hope for that. And it's funny, it's, you know, frustrating in some ways that it's taken this long to be able to get to there, but, but also exciting that we're, we're getting to there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm curious for you, you know, like you're coming from the airline world, you've, you've obviously seen how these markets mature and develop and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the crazy thing is to me, so Momondo was found, founded in which year? 2006. 2006. But like even 2006, like that it was still, that there was still a big business to be made in Momondo versus like kayak versus booking.com. That, 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 like that all of these things existed is to me kind of crazy that there are still ones that were emerging, right? They're massive now, I get it, but mm. but but it was like there's yeah, lots of there's yeah. lots of different ones that are emerging. Like where do you think we'll get to with this space? Like do you think that we'll we'll end up with that kind of universal mobility pass that the subscriptions will end up working for an operator like you? Like do you think that you you could actually end up making it that you could have like a roaming package for subscription that you you know you'd turn up into a city and go, Yeah, I want to mm. buy like 
know, 30 minutes a day or 50 minutes a day or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, the, definitely. Uh, there's so many similarities between how the airline industry was, I don't know what it is now, I guess it's almost 20 years ago now, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And that was that was also, um, you know, you used to go down on the street to to the to the local travel agent and, and book your flights before that. Yes. And then Kayak, Skyscan or Momondo, they all started around around the same time in the US and here in Europe. And um, I, I wasn't part from 2006, but like Martin was, for instance, our CTO. But I mean, that was also tricky to, to get the integrations. Uh, there was a bit of hesitation from, from the airlines and they're like, but why should we why should we tap into that platform we're just selling here we sell through the stores and um and so on so um th- there was some hesitation in the industry as well but then we saw it changing when uh, when people's habits started changing around yeah 2010 12 13 there when when momondo really started scaling up mm. um and uh, then the operators or the airlines in that case then they really they wanted to be on there and they're like how can we work together so i can get you know more prominent uh, positions how can i how can i price my tickets to maybe be cheaper than than the other airline or the other tra- you know so they started understanding how the whole aggregation game actually worked and we helped them a lot like yeah but you should based on all of our insights and data and so on, we, we, we had this very good collaboration with the airlines and the, and the OTAs so we could help them grow their business. And they're like, some of them didn't have websites almost, right? So we're like, you, you need to improve your websites, you know, here's some tips and tricks on how to do that. So your, your checkout flow is much better. It sounds pretty crazy, but I mean, that, that's how it was in the beginning. So in that regard, I see a lot of similarities that some operators that we're talking to and working with I mean, some are super excited and they're like, yes, we definitely, there's like a no-brainer. Yes, we integrate, we want to integrate with you. Some are a bit more hesitant and they're like, no, we, we want to keep it, you know, to our platform. We don't want to integrate with any third parties and, and so on. And then we have everything in between. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, but we're seeing that shift. Like when we started, there was almost like, because we were a nobody, right? We had 3,000 users or something. Like, why should we? work with you or talk with you, right? So so that's also the tricky part of, of, of building the supply and the demand at the same time. Yeah, completely. And managing that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what we we managed to do. So, and we can see that some that were hesitant a year or two years ago, now we're coming back and like, yeah, now you're, you are actually, now you want, we want to integrate, you're one of our top priorities for, for Q1 next year, or we, we're launching, they're launching new third-party APIs because they see the need of actually integrating with, with third parties. And because the past few years, what was it, nine, nine billion or so has been invested. And it's all about been all about the growth, just uh, opening new cities, launching new cities. Now it's a lot about they need to fight or figure out the regulations with the cities and with the local, the local people on the ground, like the politicians and so on. They need to improve their margins. Um, the The financial stability of the companies are not great yet. Mm. They will they will get there. They're still young, but we see a lot of them are are, are struggling. Yeah, and that's also where we want to come in and 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 really help them because it is a better option to come for users to come through us than most other 
uh, acquisition channels. Yes, um, totally. And I was thinking as well, is it, like it helps them increase their trips per day, which overall like assists them with the other yeah. areas of their metrics, which is like oftentimes city permits are tied to metrics around utilization and that sort of thing. So, And it's the alternative cost. Yeah, totally, totally. And, it, and, and it's like, it makes sense, right? Like at the end of the day, these vehicles, in my view, should be as utilized as possible. Like they should be doing absolutely everything they can to get them just hammered in, a, in the best possible way, you know, just like really, really getting a huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's utilization is key. Mm. I think Flukta said in the latest report, was it one, 1. 1.4 rides or something per day on average per vehicle? Totally. Across Europe? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that, that's not good enough. No, I mean, the, the, the economics of it don't stand up. Like the, the vehicles are too expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy because in Wellington, where I live, the, they have um, one, it's a very well-built city for micromobility. Like it's 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 kind of not, not got great bike lanes, but it's just got a great waterfront and, and everything. They've got two uh, operators who only work here uh, and they've got, I think, four to 600 scooters each, but they do 4.3 trips a day. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's like one of the, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a kind of crazy anomaly. And like, I look at the rest of Australia yeah. and New Zealand and I'm like, I don't know how on earth Wellington managed to crack that, but it's one of these, like, they, they figured it out. <laughs> they, yeah, well they did. And it's, and it's, um, it, but, but uh, you, you can see it. It's kind of frustrating. I was, <laughs> I was actually out on a scooter yesterday and I couldn't, it like ran out of battery and there were no, there were all these other scooters around, but they were all empty. They all had empty batteries. And I was like, this is crazy uh, that you're in a situation yeah. like this that you can see scooters on the yeah. road and that they don't, they just the operations aren't tight enough yet that they've they've got the batteries have been getting replaced yeah. quickly enough. But anyhow, I I digress. I digress. Um, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is so good. This is such an interesting conversation, and I really appreciate your uh, your time. Look for folks who want to track down and and find out a little bit more about you. Like, um, how would they do that? Because I actually didn't even know about you guys until you emailed me. So I'm really happy that you exist. <laughs> Yeah, I've been chatting to, to some of your colleagues uh, to be in the newsletter and stuff. So and I'm like, hey, maybe maybe it's time we're on the podcast. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad we did. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was Luke or something. It's like, here's Oliver's email. Yeah. Reach out. I'm like, cool. We'll do. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah. So um, yeah, we have a website, of course, kogoapp.io. Um, we're pretty active on, on LinkedIn as well, Kogo. I'm also on LinkedIn if you if you want to catch up there. Robin Eriksson. It's a pretty common Swedish name. So um, Robin Eriksson Kogo. Uh, yeah. Search for Kogo, Kogo uh, Robin Eriksson at Kogo or something. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And uh, yeah, would love to. Um, I mean, I guess there's a lot of industry people. So if you're if you're I guess you're around the world. So check out the app in the app store. See. Let me know what you think. If you find any bugs, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so we can improve. So yeah. Let us know what you think. That would be awesome to hear from you from uh, from more industry people. Marvelous, awesome. Well, uh, looking forward to having you on. Uh, you know, in a couple of years, and we can we can uh, we can we can hear the yeah. update of where you've got to and and what's um what the most exciting things are in your mind for the future of mobility as a service at that point. So, but till then, thank you. I'm looking forward to that, Oliver. Yeah. Thank you so much for for having me. Not at all. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Appreciate it's awesome. It. Cheers. Cheers.